I came up with this headline for him and it was stop raccoons having sex in your ceiling or it's free. <laughs> that is outrageous. It smashed it. Well, it was it actually made it onto the David Letterman show. Wow. Right. It's one of these top ten headlines. You know, it was sort of quite cool. But it, that ad got a lot of responses. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. And I brought back Toe Cracker. Welcome back. Thanks, James. Good to be back, my friend. You've changed since I last saw you. I think we both have. We were clean shaven a few months ago. What's happened to us? Well, I've actually never grown a beard before, and one of my clients has an amazing beard e-commerce store called The Beard Struggle, and he sent me out a kit full of stuff, which of course, it helps me understand his business better, and to really get a deeper understanding and empathy for what he's doing, and to be able to relate to his market, been working my way through the kit, the little beard oils and the brushes and the combs and things and getting involved with it and really deep diving into this whole concept of having a beard. It's certainly been an interesting journey for me, but it has made our discussions more fruitful because I now get what he's talking about and I've experienced the labeling and the delivery and the packaging and the product and it's just going a bit deeper, it helps when you've got a product like that. It's always nice to get involved and immerse yourself in it. And I've actually enjoyed the experience of growing a beard out. I feel like I'm now at an age where I'm ready to have a beard. I'm not one of those 20-year-olds trying to look like a 50-year-old. I'm an actual 50-year-old who can look like a 50-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I know. People have said, they like it. It looks good on you. I get more hitman comments now, though. When I don't have the goatee, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm not getting any hitman comments, but you know, from a protection perspective, we're in winter here. We have the big waves, and the hair on our head and our face is actually designed to deflect things. You know, to protect our skin. It's like a deflection device. I'm happy to have that extra layer of protection right now with huge waves rolling through Sydney. Today, I've actually titled this episode "Aha, Aha." Aha, aha, which is kind of a summary of the feedback we got from the last episode where you were sharing some really good nuggets. I got lots and lots of comments. You delivered amazing value. And we're hoping by the end of this year, when we look back at our episodes, that some of your episodes make it into the top 10. So I've kind of thrown out the challenge to you, Trev, to give us some insights that are going to make our listener go aha and to give us some crystallized moments that bring some value. So we can go deeper on the subject of before, but I can tell you just from firsthand feedback, some of the people who listened to that last episode where you're talking about outrageous offers, they went and rewrote their offers. They changed what they were offering to their market. They got bolder. They went out there and did things they would never have done before and they got results they wouldn't have got had they not done that and they were encouraged by it. So I know some of them have commented on our posts. I've shared with you some snippets from inside our super fast business community where people have expressed how much they enjoyed that episode. So what have you got for us today? Yeah, well, firstly, it's good. I love it when people do actually listen and they implement, even if they might have been too scared to do before. So as we're discussing the other day, you know, it's sort of the truckload of aha. So I'm going to go through some rules and I'm going to share a few different headlines with you. Because ultimately, I'm sure you're aware of this, but for your audience, if you're not aware of it, 80% of your sales are won or lost in your headline. So if your headline sucks, right, 
you know, you might have the best offer in the world, but if they don't get past that headline, the only job of your headline is to get the next sentence read. So, you know, when I first started writing headlines or when I first started doing copy, I thought, you know, sort of writing 50 headlines was pretty good. And then I met Ted Nicholas, my mentor, and he's like, do at least 100 to 150, right, before you pick that one or two headlines that you want to test. So, hey, James, I'll put you on the spot here. If you have a notepad and a pen handy at all, you have one? Yep. Okay. So this is something I normally do when I have my events. So just draw two boxes, two squares, the same size. Mark one A and the other one B. Got it. Inside both boxes, write this headline. Put music in your life. Put music in your life. Call James now. So write identical headline and call to action in each one. So I put that in both boxes? Put that in both boxes, correct. Okay. Okay, so at the moment they're identical, correct? Yes, except one says A and one says B, but yes. Yeah, yeah, but I mean in B, right, look at that headline, put music in your life, and try and think of where you could add just one single letter, not a word, one single letter to one of those words and change the meaning. One letter. One letter, not a word, one letter. S. Yep. Where? Puts. Puts, correct. Okay. Now, the reason this advert will be, this was actually one of Dan Kennedy's clients who was selling guitar lessons. And when they tested adding the S, results tripled, 300% more calls. Right? Now, the ads cost the same. You know, when you run any sort of advertising, you're paying for space, whether it pulls zero calls, one call or a thousand calls or responses or sales. But just adding that one single letter turned it into an implied benefit. Person in the first headline, put music in your life, or yeah, I've still got to do the work. When it puts music in your life, it's implied benefit. All I got to do is make the call. They're going to be playing guitar, right? So, and there's so many words that you can add an S to in headlines, subheadings, titles of books, email subject lines, you name it, that turns that word into an implied benefit and you are going to get a much better result. So, you know, words like stop to stops, make to makes, give to gives, keep to keeps, prevent to prevents, eliminate to eliminates. That one single letter an absolute game changer for your business. Aha. Uh-huh. You know, and the times that I've done that for clients and they're like, holy shit. Because the, the penny drops, you'll hear the aha moment in a room of, you know, one, two, three, four, five hundred people when you tell them, but, you know, they've been oblivious to it all their life. They just didn't know about it. And so, you know, I like going through that, but I'll take it one step further. So imagine similar advert and it was targeting men for sex. So if you had puts sex in your life, call now, it's going to get a massive response if you're targeting men. If you're running an advert targeting women, you would do puts romance in your life. Okay, you've got to understand your audience. Now, the romance, there can be an implied benefit there, of course. But, you know, with your adverts and with your headlines, you can be a single letter or a simple word change once you understand who you're selling to and really why they would invest in your products or services to double, quadruple, 1,000% more response, 1,700% more response 
by a couple of word changes or a word change or a letter change in a headline. So if people are literally just coming up with the first headline or the second headline or the third headline that springs to mind, they are leaving a lot of money on the table, right? So, you know, over the years, I mean, some of the results that my clients have got just from a simple headline tweak, nothing else. You know, I had one guy where uh, his pay-per-click ad, um, I got him to put makes in the Google pay-per-click ad, one word, five-letter word, and his uh, click-through rate went up 800% in a week. And when I told him to do this, he said, it doesn't make sense. I said, humor me and just do it. It'll make sense in the bank balance. Is that a case of where your opinion doesn't matter? It's the, it matters what the audience's opinion is and they'll vote with the purchase button? Correct. Correct. So, so far we've got focus on the headline. It's like an 80-20, have lots of variations and experiment with an S. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just think about, I mean, you know, there's at least 16 words that I can think off the top of my head that you can simply add an S to. And these are words that people use quite a lot, but they're just not getting the implied benefit through. And, you know, they're potentially leaving a lot of money on the table. I remember looking at some headlines that uh, one of Dan Kennedy's chiropractic clients did years ago, and all of them were very similar. They're all a play on some of the, you know, do you make these mistakes? You know, they all laugh formulaic headlines. He tested three. They were very similar. Yet one did 1,700% better response than the one that came last and was still 340% better response than the second one he tested. Right. So the big aha here is it's worth trying different variations. I could just share how I'm relating to this. When I was learning Google AdWords, I tried lots of different headlines too. One of the ones that went particularly well, but you have to be careful with, was a negative slant style headline. Like, don't buy, and I put the product name. That would outclick everything. People who are considering buying that would click on that ad to discover if they're about to make a huge mistake. I did so well off that ad, I actually sent the company broke. I sold more of their product than they could deliver, and they had chargebacks. And then they defaulted on the last commission payments for me as they were unable to remain in business. Wow. There was also, um, I'm thinking about for a while there, on, there was a marketplace, the lead pages marketplace would split test the templates and they would put it into the marketplace according to conversion. And for the longest time, I had the highest converting webinar opt-in template on the lead pages marketplace. It was so popular. Clay Collins, who was the founder and running lead pages at the time, put a bounty if anyone could beat it. And the thing that I did for that was I put a blurred out image of a mind map. That was the opt-in. They, they registered for the webinar. They would get access to this mind map. People go nuts for mind maps, but they go especially nuts for one that's slightly obfuscated and you can't quite make out. You know how we all try to zoom in and screenshot yeah. on people's pages or ads to get the good stuff without having to go further? Yeah. Well, it's kind of infuriatingly curiosity-based, but that template outconverted every single template on the marketplace. And if I hadn't have tested that, I would never have known. Wow. Yeah. It, I mean, it's impressive, obviously. Yeah. I think for this one, I'm going to um, give it an aha. There we go. We get the big aha. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, look, it's, um, when you look back over the, you know, writing copy for 20-odd years and some of the, the wins that your clients get, 
And a lot of the times they're so scared to run your offer. Isn't that a copywriter's nightmare? They pay you to write copy. You do all the research. You have to eke everything out of them, access to data, access to clients. You, you do everything. You come up, you know, huddled over your little typewriter with a half empty bottle of gin, sweating away for the deadline and it comes and then you submit your work of art and they start making all these changes or never run it, even worse. They never even run it and you get denied. You get denied that opportunity to see what happens. Yeah, look, it's frustrating at times. Remember on the last episode when you interviewed me, you brought up about the guy that spent the 1600 and did a couple of hundred thousand dollars in business quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, he was a classic. He refused to run my ad or run the copy. We went verbal Mike Tyson level blows in the lobby of a five-star hotel in Sydney on the morning before I was there for an event. Uh, and ultimately, I was just like, mate, it's my way or the highway. I'm the one holding the microphone. I decide what I'm going to sing. And that thing is test fucking thing, right? You've got my guarantee. If it doesn't work, you call me on the guarantee. I said, I'll go one further. If it doesn't work, I'll just refund you your money. Now, I had to chase him for the results because he was A, too embarrassed to contact me, but B, he had so much business coming and he couldn't keep up with the orders. You know, but it's always interesting when you do something, it's out there. It's not playing safe. And I think too many people in business, they make their copy too safe. Right. The flip side, we do hear from business owners, their copywriter just goes ham and they go well beyond safe and they go into even illegal territory in some cases, especially health offers. So I'm sure there are certain big companies, publishing companies, they have a whole legal department that everything has to be checked before it goes out. So you've got to make sure you're not making false promises that you can actually deliver. I was reading some horrific thread from a Facebook post last night about a client. This is a war veteran, had invested initially a small amount in a, he actually started a free challenge with someone and then he paid them a thousand dollars for the information product. And then he paid for a one day consult for 15,000. And then at the consult, he got stitched up into a $150,000 webinar funnel. And then on the webinar, he had to do things that made him uncomfortable. Like he had to read out comments from fake people that weren't actually there. He had to do things that he didn't want to do. But anyway, he did it. He felt terrible about it. And he basically, I think he said he lost $200,000 on this thing and not one sale from it. So that's the bad scenario where the copywriters out there, probably not very experienced or good, and they're just taking advantage. So we have to balance out sensible, legal, moral, ethical versus trying something that stretches you a bit outside your comfort zone. And it does remind me, I'll tell this one story and then back to you, Trev. When I was trying to learn copywriting, I was reading about it and I wanted to action it. I wanted to do it. That was my whole methodology through my whole career. I read and I do, and then I get results. And I actually wrote on an A4, which is like an American legal size piece of paper, I printed out four different ads, print ads, coupon type ads for a local dry cleaner. This was my dry cleaner. He used to do my white shirts for Mercedes-Benz. We were only allowed to wear white shirts. It was very restrictive. And I asked him, can I test a marketing campaign? And he said, okay, he's originally from a different country. So his English wasn't that great, but I think he got the gist of what I was doing. And I printed out four different offers 
So there were different headlines, slightly different offers, and it was a tear, you know, a serrated edge sort of coupon you bring into the shop. And I got them printed up. I went down to Officeworks. I got them printed out. It's like a Kinko for our US listeners. I then paid the same company who was doing suburb drops for our Mercedes-Benz dealership. I think it was $80 or $100 to drop three or 4,000 flyers into the suburb. This guy complained next time I went in for my shirts. He's got too many customers and they're bringing in this wretched coupon. And I got him to give them all to me. And I found out that one of them got almost two thirds redemption. And the next best one was a fraction of it. And then the other two were hardly showing at all. Imagine if I'd only selected one. Yeah. So this is a recurring theme. You must see this where your offer is too successful and the capacity to deliver is strained. So that's one thing that is probably hardly ever mentioned. Before you go out there going berserk with your offer, make sure you can handle the business it's going to bring. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very valid point. And I'll get back to, you know, like pushing the boundaries. You're right. I mean, you push the boundaries, but there's a line. You've still got to stay inside the line. And yes, it has to be moral. Yes, it has to be ethical. But you know, what I've found when I've had clients who are just that little bit scared to run, what if it works? Well, great, you know? And then when they are pushed, you know, smashing a Babe Ruth home run for them, which is always very pleasing. You know, now I get what you're saying about the big publishing companies, because when uh, Agora's International Living hired me a few years ago to write the sales letter to sell International Living magazine, that was my first experience where every claim I made, I had to back it up for the legal boys to go through it. And that was a daunting experience the very first time. And, you know, I found this angle, you know, I'm doing my research on the copy and sent it through and they're like, Wow. It was just something very, very new, foreign for them. It was out there. And I didn't want to play it safe. In other words, I wanted to take the, I'm going to play it safe, looked at their control, made a better sales letter. And I I was pretty confident I would have beaten it. But I wanted to go out there on something that was, you know, I thought was quite unique and would smash it out of the park. Now, the risk for me as a copywriter they don't run it. I don't get the balance of my contract. I don't get my royalties, but I was prepared to back myself on that. I had the control for three years. Wow. Right. They would run other copywriters against my offer. They'd run my offer four times a year and the rest of the time they'd run them, pay another copywriters to try and beat my control and had the control for three years. But the interesting thing was when I was doing my research, I found this article by one of the ministers in Australia. I used that as the angle. I came up with this headline, the secret retirement society the government does not want you to know about. Discover how payouts of just over $770 million a year go to people who have already taken advantage of this tight-lipped insider retirement society. It's a perfect safeguard against a disappearing age pension. And almost every Australian can access this insider secret society legally, including you. Right? That headline just talked to me and just aroused the curiosity. What's a secret society? Why isn't the government not telling us about it? You know, and it just smashed it. All right. But that came from the research, which is important when you're writing your own copy as well. You know, I spend about one third of my time doing research. Trevor, I think I can repurpose that hook with something that just happened to me. So I think you've just given me another aha. So I'll give you your aha. 
Yeah. I'm going to tell you what happened. I had a coaching call on Tuesday and we're just at the end of financial year here in Australia. And there's a lady in my group who's been there for a few months. And she said to me, because one of our framework questions each week is what's your win? We talk about what have we had a win in the last week? Because we need gratitude. We need to stay positive. We don't want this eternal horizon like Dan Sullivan talks about where we never reach our goals. She said, well, I just got $70,000 from something that I heard you talking about with another customer a few weeks back. I followed your advice. I did it. I got $70,000 and I'm renewing for a year today, your membership. By the way, she's on a level that's about $5,000 per year. So she got a return on her initial few months very quickly and significantly. And it's very much along the lines of what you just mentioned. It's where the Australian government will give money to Australian businesses to help them with their marketing. That I was talking about on a call, I've been using that program and I've helped a lot of other people, but it even pays for coaching. It can pay for marketing staff. It can pay for Facebook ads, Google ads, marketing materials, et cetera. And not many people know about this. And I was sharing these insights with her. I gave her the exact key contact to go and talk to. She filled in some paperwork and the money got put into her account. So I think that headline would probably be repurposable for that. Oh, absolutely. The sales letter, it's definitely, I've only probably shown half a dozen people that full sales letter, right? Because it took some effort. I was nervous when they ran it, but when that came back from them, they'd only changed six words and legal department signed off on everything, which apparently is quite unheard of, especially the first time you write for them. So it didn't come back like a CIA redacted document about UFOs with black uh, lines all through it. Nice. It was all good. Then they hired me to write it for the North American market. But, you know, interesting when I was, we we're talking about those headlines before, one of my old clients, him and his business partner had a critter business, you know, removing raccoons and snakes and creepy crawlies from people's roofs and stuff. And so I, I came up with this headline for him and it was stop raccoons having sex in your ceiling or it's free. <laughs> that is outrageous it smashed it well it was it actually made it onto the david letterman show wow right it's one of his top 10 headlines you know it was sort of quite cool but it, that ad got a lot of responses that's brilliant i mean okay, that's, that's a good one yeah. <laughs> so, yeah a lot of stuff like that but some other things that you know we spoke a bit on the previous uh, podcast about some perceived value and you know, some of the things that I've either been involved in with clients with that side of it when you're tweaking their copy, et cetera, I think there's possibly a few aha moments for your audience as well. So I had this travel club client in 2009 where, based out of Tampa, Florida, cruise port, you know, when cruises were still going, and they would target people who'd been ripped off by the timeshare industry, right? And they'd sell on their travel club membership, ranging from around four or five grand to nine, nine and a half, somewhere around there. And they would just send out these postcards every week, I don't know, 30,000 postcards a week, somewhere like that. They knew their demographic. And if the people literally just came in for the presentation, they didn't buy anything, they gave them a five-night, six-day cruise for two, Royal Caribbean or Carnival, valued at $1,100. Now, Everyone knew, you know, that's the market value. The only catch was they had to pay the port tax, 99 bucks. Now, my clients, I tweaked their postcard for them literally before I, you know, met at an event, 
met with the owner, signed the deal, money was transferred. I'm about to leave for the airport to fly back to Vancouver. I was living in Vancouver, Canada at the time. And the general manager came in, he said, look, we're doing our next run tomorrow. Do you mind having a quick look at the postcard and see if you can make any improvements to it? And I was like, well, I can, but, you know, sort of these are my Picasso's when I write copy and I want to make sure I give you Picasso, not a freaking crayon drawing. And they said, look, we won't hold you to it. We're going to run the old postcard anyway. So I literally spent 10 minutes on it. I tweaked the headline. I really can't remember what I wrote, but it was 2009. Now, on the back of the postcard, there's really not much room. I got descriptive on the back of the postcard. You know, imagine sitting on the sun deck, sipping pina coladas as the sun sets over the Caribbean, something like that. But an actual call to action, because before that, they had no call to action. Limited number, first 97 people who respond by the expiration date stamped in red only. They went from 20,000 in sales that they'd been averaging a week to 76,400 the next and stayed around 75 grand for a long time by a simple headline tweak, a tweak of a sentence on the back and a strong call to action. That was it. So, you know, that one was, I enjoyed doing that, but they only paid $27 for those cruise certificates. You talk about 2009 and postcards. I have a client at the moment, I speak to him today, actually. I'm on a regular call schedule. He's in a non-internet marketing, non-business market. And one of the greatest innovations I gave him so far is I suggested he sends out postcards. Yeah, It's still a thing. In 2021, my local post person is walking around with a little hand trolley. There's so few items, like actual letters that most things coming to houses are in a van as a package from Amazon Prime the next day. Right? They've made it so easy to buy things. But in the actual letters, there's hardly anything. It's, it's usually just generic real estate spam. Those little postcards, they're still sticking in letterboxes. And then it's cool stuff. It's like someone sending me a magazine subscription to a surfing thing for a year. Thanks, Ron Reich, for that. And it's postcards from actual marketers with good offers. So what they've done is send out postcards and now our game is how many postcards can we get sent out because they are killing it, absolutely crushing it. But the second part here, and that's the important thing, it sounds like to me what you did is you helped this customer or reminded them to tell their prospects what they're supposed to do. This is probably missing from a lot of marketing communications. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. There's no clear call to action. Right? There's no clear call to action or what's there is so lame it's just a joke. So I'm sure you've seen these, especially from a fast food place or a restaurant, you'll get some sort of discounted voucher or, you know, buy one pizza, get one free or get a free bottle of Coke, et cetera. And they put such a long expiration date on it. There's no point. They're thinking, well, you know, do a long one. They'll put it on the fridge. It's cheaper than constantly doing new ones on shorter expiration dates, but just ripping themselves off. That would be a good one compared to the ones I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of, uh, I had the unfortunate scenario of accidentally listening to FM radio the other day on a short drive down to the surf spot. And what they do, like big brands, I'm talking about car dealers, et cetera, big manufacturers, they have this call to action. Don't hesitate to call us or something like that. I hate that expression and hate's a strong word, but it deserves it in this case. Don't hesitate is literally two negative words that they're trying to use to get something to do that's positive for them. Don't hesitate. And there's also some science. You hear this quote, people can't process the negative like the don't. Yeah. So we end up with just hesitate. 
Yeah. Which is a really shitty call to action if you want someone to do something. You know, so if don't hesitate is part of your verbal language in any kind of format, change that. Yes, you're spot on. And it's like the cafe attendants always say, not a problem. <laughs> when again, we've got two negatives in this, not a problem. Yeah. You could change that to, okay, great, or sounds good. So give us an example of some red hot calls to action. So we're listening to this podcast. And we're on the edge of our seat, ready for Toe Cracker to drop a call to action. We can go and type over the crappy one we have right now on our opt-in form website or whatever modality. Give us a couple we could just plug in and then put us in a position to come back and say, that episode with Toe Cracker changed my life. Well, yeah. I mean, there's the limited number, right? Now, you've got to be careful on the number you put in. You put the number too low, people think they've missed out. You put the number too high, there's, there's no urgency. So it's either going to be 27, 47, 67, right? So let's say you're offering 27 whatevers. Hurry, the first 27 customers only. If you're number 28, I'm sorry, you've missed out. And you put an expiration date, you know? The first 27 customers who respond by the expiration date stamped in red, it's very clear. They can't really get that wrong, right? And then I'll repeat that in the PS. But here's a good call to action for, well, I think it's a good call to action in a PS. Uh, use the PS, the first postscript, right? Because PSs are the second most read part of your copy. So if you're not putting a PS on every freaking thing you do, you're leaving money. Whether it's a, a blog post or your sales letter, your email, Put in a PS or two. This is what I use. PS, will you be in blank X number of days from now if you choose not to basically buy my shit? No doubt still, insert the pain point. It doesn't have to be that way. And then the response mechanism. So where will you be in X number of days from now or X number of months from now if you choose to not invest in my offer? No doubt you're still, and you just rattle off the pain points you know they're going through, which your offer has a solution to. And you just sort of call them out on that. So the PS is a micro summary of the offer that they've already read in the, the mail. Yeah, right. But it's just calling them out. It's like, you know, it's the old definition of insanity. If you don't do anything, nothing's going to change. You know, here's what's interesting. And, you know, with the direct mail and, you know, I, I love doing direct mail. I love doing lumpy mail. And it still works very much today, as you know, for, with your clients, with the postcards. And I call it the forgotten millions direct mail. But I also take some of the three-step direct mail letter sequences and adapted those for email. And the email three, I mean, Barry and I are testing that for our offer. And it's closing at about 80% at the moment. It just smacks them, right? And, you know, it just goes for the jugular. It's a very, very clear, strong call to action. But what you want to do is have a number, you limit the number, and you have a clear expiration date in your offer. And, you know, if you put 27 in, you tell them if you're 28, you miss out. It's like the telesales or the infomercials where they say, if you call and the line's engaged, please try again, you know? They're implying their lines will be busy because everyone's buying this. They're using the social yeah. proof. I want to say I have experienced that, what you said. I've taken direct response principles and put them into emails. My sales card abandonment sequence, which I have done training on and I sell it separately at Superfast Results or I include it inside Superfast Business, that is a plug-in series of emails for people to unleash 
all this back-end money sitting there. Not everyone's going to buy the first time to the sales page. However, when you start sending the right sort of emails in a specific sequence that's been sort of hard tested, and I actually forget how much testing and background I've got. I, when you say PS, I'm sort of blown away that I would even not for a second think that you know not every person on the planet knows this. But then I remember when I'm reviewing people's emails, it's often missing. And I love that you said on the first PS because it implies there's more. And you, you'll see many people can have plenty of PSs and then you can even have what Dean Jackson calls as a super signature. That real estate is extremely valuable and there's a lot of good that can come from using that email. The email's huge. It's absolutely massive. I love coupons. I discovered the magic of coupons. Coupons do what you said. They give you the opportunity to have a limit per number or a limit per time. They can only be available for certain cohorts, which gives you infinite flexibility. And online, much like direct response mail, you get sort of a layer of privacy. Not everyone on the surface can see how the machine works yeah. unless they're deep into the labyrinth. So that's a great tip. So limited number, clear expiration date, very clear wording on what to do. And of course, reminding them what life's going to look like if they don't take action and, and you're relying on them to feel that emotion that that's something they wouldn't like and they would rather move away from that pain, right? Yeah, exactly. And when I was still in Australia and doing, doing all my direct mail, they were often a $1,000 package. And I had my own sort of holiday booklet that I used to pay $35 for plus DST, perceived market value of 1500 bucks, And that was unannounced until the second PS, right? So they were, they were always going to buy my, the yes or the yes, you know, the silver or the gold, right? or the gold or the platinum, you know, it's all geared for them. The precious metals sales technique. To take your most expensive package, right? And in that call to action, it's like, and if you are one of the first 27 to invest in the gold package, brackets full payment only by the expiration date stamped in red, I'll also give you 14 nights free accommodation for two people evade at 1500. If you're number 28, I'm sorry, you'll miss out. Uh, the only place that was mentioned was in the second postscript. I remember this dentist ringing me up one day and it was a Monday and he said, look, I requested the report. I went away on holidays. I just got back. I've skimmed through it, but the office expired. And he said, if I do proceed for the gold package, would you still honor the holiday? Well, what do you think I said? I said, well, I'll give you 48 hours. And I said, if you do order by 5 p.m. on Wednesday, I'll honor the bonus. But he did buy and he became a very high-paying client of mine, you know, but just an unannounced bonus in a PS as well to increase the urgency on your call to action can do wonders for your sales. And, you know, when I first studied Dan Kennedy's material and got to understand, you know, three-step direct mail sequences. I resonated with it easily. It was coming from the banking background. I understood when I used to chase arrears, it really was a three-step sequence. And what's interesting, and I'm sure you've come across this, most people only do one-shot mail. They don't do follow-up. Yeah. And of course, it costs a lot to send out physical mail. And by three physical mails, you've got your diminishing return. The thing is with email different scenario. It's, there's no huge cost to send out more. Just by lengthening the follow-up sequence, yeah. you will probably make more sales. In my case, I send emails for 60 days. Yeah. 60 days. And some of them, they're very specific in what they do. 
But if someone hasn't bought after 60 days, you'll like this one. I then recommend other products or services that might be a better fit for them. Since I've had a good go at it, then I'm going to see if, you know, for whatever reason they didn't buy my product or service, I'm going to suggest someone else's that could be a good fit for them. And I'm going to monetize it that way as an affiliate. Nice. I like that. Yeah. You know, basically when I teach my clients to do a three-step direct mail sequence, it's three letters over 30 days. Right? Letter one goes out or offer one goes out. Strong call to action, limited number, expiration date of seven days from when they will receive it. So they've got a full week. So if I send something to you on a Friday, James, and I wasn't sure you, you were going to get up till Tuesday, I'd put seven days from Tuesday, seven days from yesterday. If it's email, I do three days. I get very specific. You know, if it's three days from today, it's going to be Saturday, 5 p.m., 3rd of July, you know, UK time or wherever it's going to. And that works. And the thing about when you have your offers and you do the additional follow-ups, generally in direct mail, whatever sales you get out of letter one, you will double your results by letter three just by doing the two additional follow-ups. I always leave an ace up my sleeve in letter three or email three. There's some additional, the offer's extended, but there's some unannounced bonus that wasn't there before to drag them across the line. And it works very, very well. And, you know, you're talking before about you guys with the postcards. And I was helping a client years ago who was a copywriter, but him and his mother had a catering business and they were trying to sell it, but they're also trying to make some money from it. And so we had a cracker writing a, a direct, I said, but you need to do some direct mail. He had a four page letter, I ripped it to shreds, told him how to structure the two, make it a two page letter and do it a certain way right? and send it out as lumpy mail. So he put a party popper on, on an envelope, dropped them around to the area to all the businesses. I said, just test 25. Of the 25 letters that were tested, and the offer was basically, we want to give you $100 worth of our food. If you think the food's good, maybe you book a party, basically limited number. He had three put their hand up. So in terms of you know direct response, it's like 12% for the first 25. Two booked. He did $10,500 on those first 25 letters. I actually went and worked it out before. It cost him $161 all up in the postage, printing, and his food cost to do those three samples. $161 here to bring in 10 and a half and then a 40% profit on that. I mean, how many letters do you want to mail when you get those sort of numbers? And, you know, over the years, that stuff happens you know, with regularity, you know, one of uh, our landscaping guys, he might have tested 500 letters. Uh, I basically gave him a letter I wrote for my uh, lawn care client in the US who was mailing a million pieces of direct mail a year. Why? Because the copy was working. And um, he went from small operator to the biggest in the entire state of Colorado, sending out my door hanger and my two-page offer. And so I said, model this. Um, his initial test, and I know that the figures are even better now, but his initial results, each letter cost 75 pence, say a dollar to send out. And he was returning 56 pound 88 per letter. Wow. You know, you talk about own the racetrack, right? This is like guaranteed money. You, you can't lose as long as you track your numbers and you keep sending your letters out or your postcards or, you know, there's so much money for people sitting there waiting for them if they just get more in tune with what their audience wants 
and packages an offer in such a way that it's a no-brainer. They have to respond and put their hand up. You know, that's the sort of stuff I love doing. I, I'd love to just sit there and create offers for clients all day, as long as they wanted to pay the freight. Right? <laughs> and I could talk to you all day about this. And then get a copywriter to, to just do it for me or do it for them, you know. So when you can have such dramatic results, I, re- I remember a guy, I tweaked his sales letter for in a review. He added an extra $2.159 million a year just by tweaking that copy and getting his offer better, you know? The product was still the same. It's got a better headline, tighter bullets, stronger call to action, and the reason for them to go, yes, I want to buy your $2,500 stock market, of course. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for great copy. You should have good products, but really the big differentiator is all the wrapper, generally not the product. Sometimes the product is so good, people just want it or refer it. And some companies can do that, but not every company and certainly a lot of crappy products have done well with good copy. So it's nice if you can have a good product and good copy. That's like the ultimate win. Toe cracker, I could talk to you all day, but I probably have to get you back for more aha. <laughs> You've been very generous. We've talked about headlines and adding an S. You made me draw little boxes on my pad. <laughs> We've talked about curiosity, doing research, raccoon sex, postcards, telling people what to do, using deadlines, limited numbers, etc. adding more emails. The basic takeaway is there's so much we can do with our copy, with whatever product or system we already have. Just look there. Trevor's got a website, unlimitedsuccessclub.com. That's where you hang out and help people. So uh, I wanted to mention that today and also just say thank you for generously sharing more ahas. You came back on this show because of feedback from the last show. So if you're listening to this and you liked it, let us know. Tell us on the socials. Send me an email, james at superfastbusiness.com. If you're inside Superfast Business, I'll see you there. If you check out unlimitedsuccessclub.com, that's where Trevor Toecracker, (laughs) I love that nickname, the bearded version, the scary version is in there helping people out. So thank you so much, Trev. I appreciate having me on again, James. It was a pleasure. Love it. All right. Take care. Happy travels, safe travels, and we'll speak soon. So next week, I'll be in Italy. (laughs) Love it. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.